Wake Up, Norwich University Cadet Nation, and welcome back to Reveille, the official podcast of Norwich University Athletics. I'm Tanner Acebo, glad to be with you for our April episode, Friday, April 22nd, 2022. Another fantastic episode this week. I sit down with Norwich University head women's lacrosse coach Ian Thomas, 2014 graduate of Norwich University. In his first season, he has really done a great job with the team both on and off the field but before we get to that we just want to remind you thanks for listening wherever you may be and however you may be listening and itunes stitcher soundcloud the place to find us and now let's get to my conversation with ian thomas back on Reveille, the official podcast of Norwich University Athletics. Very glad to be joined here for our April episode by Norwich University head women's lacrosse coach Ian Thomas. Uh, IT, thank you for, for taking the time to join us. I know it's a very busy day as we record this on a Wednesday. It's a game day for you, uh, but really appreciate you taking the time to sit down. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and grateful for uh, you know to sit down with you. And yeah, it's game day, so we're leaving in uh, a few hours for Elms College, but uh, definitely happy to carve the time out. Cool, perfect. So um, I'm I'm sure you know you, you've listened to some episodes before. You know the whole deal here. First part, we just kind of give give the guest the floor, and you can kind of give us a, a this is your life um, for those that might not know. Uh, Coach Thomas, a 2014 graduate of Norwich, so a homecoming of sorts with you coming back here to coach the women's lacrosse team. But before we get to that, why don't you give us kind of a little, a little backstory here? Yeah, so I. Grew up in southern New England in Rhode Island, uh, lived there uh, for the first 18 years of my life, and, you know, sports are a huge part of my life growing up. I played, uh, you know, as many sports as I could. In high school, I played football, I wrestled, and played lacrosse, and then um, wanted to enlist in the Marine Corps right out of high school, Um, but my dad said I had to apply to a college, and so I chose Norwich based on the Corps cadets and the military aspect, and um, when I got in, he said, since you got in, you have to go. And so that's, what, <laughs> that's how I wound up here. Um, and, you know, I, I played goalie and attack in high school. And so um, when I got here, uh, Neil, Coach Anderson, was like, yeah, yeah, you're a goalie. I was like, well, I play attack down. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was able to uh, walk on the lacrosse team. And, um, you know, I just worked really hard throughout my four years uh, here and worked into a starting role on, on the lacrosse team and was, uh, you know, really grateful for just the opportunity to become a member of a, of a college sports team. And through my time in college, uh, I kind of drifted away from wanting to go in the military. And, you know, lacrosse has been my favorite sport and my most passionate sport throughout my whole entire life. So um, just having the opportunity to play at a really competitive and high level in college really, uh, you know, assured that I did it showed me this is what I want to do um, with my life to stay and make lacrosse be my priority throughout life. Um, and then coaching, you know, gives me the opportunity to give back. And I've had been fortunate to have so many good coaches and great coaches throughout my lifetime that, um, you know, I want to be able to give that to other players and be a you know mentor to players. And that's really what, what drives me in becoming a coach and still coaching today so yeah so so you you, you attend norwich um you just kind of made mention that you know as you were a student here you know kind of kind of went away from the, from the military aspect it, did you, you decide you wanted to be a coach while you were while you were playing here or did you just decide that you wanted to to stay involved in in lacrosse or let's say maybe in the world of sports yeah a little bit of a little bit of both um and i really fell in love with vermont i was fortunate to spend a few summers here um and take some classes over the summer uh and but you know, being here in the summer, it, it, it was it, completely different than, you know, the school year at Norwich and you get to see a different side of Vermont, um, a lot more relaxed, 
uh, on campus too in the summer. So I really did fall in love with Vermont. I knew I wanted to stay here. And so after college, um, I was a criminal justice major. And so I worked at Woodside Juvenile Rehab Center in um, Colchester, Vermont. And so I lived up in Burlington for the year after I graduated and I was able to coach high school um, lacrosse at South Burlington High School. And so I was able to stay involved with lacrosse and that was really, um, you know, that first year it really opened my eyes to like the, I had coached camps and stuff before, but never a full season. And so coaching um, as an assistant coach at South Burlington, it really showed me the difference, um, you know, between playing and coaching and how, you know, rewarding coaching can be and being involved and, you know, bringing kids to a higher level of lacrosse, but also mentoring outside of the game. And so that was really when it solidified to me. I was like, yeah, I really want to pursue coaching and find ways and jobs that will allow me to coach throughout. So you, so you mentioned, the, you know, you, you coached up at South Burlington for a bit, and then you actually you came back here and you coached for what uh, just north of four seasons, like four, four and a half seasons, something like that, um, on, on the men's lacrosse sidelines. Yeah, so I, you know, coached at South Burlington for a year, and actually I coached for three years at South Burlington. And so I was, you know, really – finding every opportunity I could to coach at, at a college. Mm-hmm. So I coached just at South Burlington for in 2015. And then the fall of 2015, I came back to Norwich um, and coached, uh, you know, in the fall season and then through the spring. And when the spring season ended at Norwich, I'd go back to South Burlington. So I did that for two, two more seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my fourth season, I coached just at Norwich. And that was when the, the Spalding job opened. And so I, in 2019, I coached half of the Norwich season and then one high school season started I went over to Spalding and then was able to come back a few times for a few games uh, fortunate enough like we did it was lucky at the championship game in 2019 we didn't have a game that Saturday so I was able to be there and coach uh, with the guys and you know culminate my time on the men's side with that championship which was a really cool experience yeah I mean uh, one of the best days of my career here uh, was was the, was that uh, that championship Saturday um, talk talk to me a little bit about uh, about you know becoming the the head coach at Spalding you know what was that process like how how did you find out about the job is it something where you know somebody you knew mentioned it to you did did coach Anderson find out about it or how how that how that kind of come about well so yeah you know part of we had talked a lot and coach Anderson and I had talked a lot especially my you know second third and fourth year coaching about um you know branching away and and finding you know a different program to sort of get experience as a head coach and so you know it being an assistant is great and it, but it's a lot different um as a head coach and there's a lot more logistical things to to worry about or to you know occupy yourself with and so just having an experience as a head coach and so we talked a lot about um just finding opportunities here in Vermont as in and using a high school program to get that experience and so um Actually, there were two job openings, U32 and Spalding at the same time. So I applied to both um, and I ended up getting the Spalding job. And so um, I'm really looking back and, and I'm really happy and, and proud that I did get the Spalding job because I did. I worked at Barry City Elementary School. So I was already working in district and the, the timing worked out really well and being able to, you know, use time um, you know, in district, you're able to use time to get out of school to, to get to the away games. And so I didn't need to worry about um, using all my sick time or vacation time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just the, the Barry community is, is really strong and proud community. And that was that was really exciting to, to walk into a team that had so much passion for the town, for the community and, um, you know, for Spalding High School. And that was, you know, being 
a part of that team, it was is really special because of how much pride they have in in Spalding and being such a strong community and such a sports oriented community. Um, I was really I was blown away by like the the level of commitment that we had right away. And so coming into that team, I didn't know what to expect, and I knew, um, you know, they had some it, it was they had some down seasons. Um, leading up to that. And so they had some great lacrosse players. I played actually with Corey Sissio, who, um, mm-hmm. that was one of the, his, his well, actually in Tori Schwenard, he played here for a fall too. And Tori, I think was on the team the last time they had a winning season. So back when I was in college was the last time that they had a winning season, um, at Spalding, um, uh, before I got there. And so knowing that they've had, you know, had success in the past, but it's been a while since they have had success. Um, it, I didn't know what to expect. And so when I came in, I, I was blown away by like the commitment from the kids and, and the, the support from the community. Um, and yeah, and the, it was, it was just a great experience. Corey Sistio, a friend of mine, classmate of mine, uh, class of 08, tied pride. Uh, but no, you're right. You know, the, the Barry community really is, um, they, they love, they love sports. They love supporting their teams. Um, you know, I'm a second or I'm actually a third generation Spalding high school grad. So like the, I still have the ties to, uh, to Spalding and I've dragged, you know, athletic communications director, Derek Dunning to a couple, uh, Spalding boys hockey games when they were in the state finals over the years. So the sense of community is uh, like you, you, uh, you defined it very well in what you said. It's a, it's a very tight knit community and it always kind of revolves around the local sports teams and people come out for games yeah you know it could be rainy it could be terrible weather but people people still come out and that's that's one of the really cool things about barry yeah we um my the playoff game the first year uh in 2019 we had probably over a thousand thousand people there it was the stands were packed um it was the first home playoff game that we'd had at spalding for lacrosse in a, in a long time i think like 12 years mm-hmm. so it was it was really exciting uh, it didn't go our way we you know we lost by one um, in a really close close game to a you know a team matched really evenly with us against Milton. We beat them by one in the regular season, and they got us by one in that game. But it was like to see the yeah the commitment and the support from the community there. It was it was an intense game, and it will always stay there. Like as one of the best experiences coaching, even though it didn't go our way, just because of the yeah how in, and, you know the support and how intense it was. But uh, bringing it full circle actually, because mm-hmm. Matt Flaherty, who is a teammate of mine here, um, is now the head coach at Spalding. So. Um, we say the coaching tree is growing. The Neil Anderson coaching tree is mm-hmm. definitely growing. Um, and I'm, you know, at once this season's done, Matt's asked me to come back and help out, um, with the Spalding guys. And I've, you know, I know all of them and, and it's, it's really cool to follow them and see, um, you know, it continue, but to have someone like-minded and similar personality, similar coaching style, uh, take over, it's been really smooth for, for Matt taking over. So it's exciting to see Spalding continue to grow. Yeah, and uh, you know, not for nothing, the 2019 U.S. Uh, U.S. Lacrosse Coach of the Year named by the Vermont chapter. So uh, got some accolades there as well, as well as your team winning the Sportsmanship Team of the Year, which I'm from Barry, <laughs> so I can say this. When I was at Spalding, not a lot of our teams were winning sportsmanship uh, <laughs> awards. So uh, that you know, the success on the field, while also you know, kind of having the the behind the scenes, the the sportsmanship aspect is is something that uh, that again, I certainly tip tip my cap to you uh, to you as well there. Um, so let's you know, let's let's get a little more up to up to speed now, up to date. So you uh, you spend three years there there at Spalding. And then um, the women's lacrosse job opens up here as its own full-time position uh, for the first time in the school's history. It used to be a split position. They open it up um, for a, for a full-time head coach. 
Uh, tell me about kind of what the application process was like and, and what the interview process was like. Yeah. So I, I saw that the, the job opened up and, um, you know, I've all, I, I love to make the jump from high school to college, but I was, you know, I was really happy too with working in the Barry school district and coaching at Spalding. And I knew there was a, a career there and, um, I love Vermont. Like I said, I, you know, I fell in love with Vermont. I didn't really want to move. Um, so I always said like, if a job opens up at Norwich, then there's, there's the opportunity to apply, but I didn't really want to move that far from where we're living right now. So, uh, the job did open up, um, and it's on the women's side, which I've had, I had some experience coaching women's lacrosse, but you know, obviously not nearly as much as men's lacrosse. And so I knew that would be a challenge and the, but it's also an exciting challenge, uh, the, you know, with the learning curve of jumping over to the women's game because it, because it is so different, but it's also, it's lacrosse. It's all the same, same, same sport just a lot of different rules. And so, um, yeah, this past summer I applied and went through the interview process and I was fortunate enough to, to be selected and offered the job. And, um, yeah. And so I accepted it knowing that becoming a full-time coach has always been one of my main goals in life. And so I, you know, I, it was too good of an opportunity to pass up, um, even with how well the, you know, working in the same school district and coaching high school. Um, uh, but it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. And so, yeah, I jumped on it and uh, started in the fall. So, um, you know, you come in. Um, I basically, what I want to get to is uh, your team's having a lot of success right now. Um, and you've done this in a very short window of time. I mean, this is your first season as, as a women's lacrosse head coach at the collegiate level. Um, how have you kind of been able to get your players to, to buy in uh, to to the, the the system that you have in place on the field, but also uh, kind of like the the team culture that, that you've been able to establish so far. Yeah, I think it, it's it's really lacrosse is a really special sport, and so it's it's such a unique sport. And I, you know, I we categorize it. I categorize it as the flow sport, and there are, you know few flow sports: uh, basketball, soccer, uh, hockey, or flow sports as well. And what makes lacrosse unique is the ability. It's the only flow sport that the ball is in your possession the whole time. And so that's something that's consistent in men's and women's lacrosse. And so it, it comes down to, you know, your stick skills um, and improving. And once, once the stick skills are there, then the, the overall concepts can, can get there. And so we play a lot of small ball games. And so a lot of two V ones, three V twos, four V threes, you know, three V threes and focusing on stick skills and, communication and, and ball movement, player movement. And so what we, what I like to do is we, we create drills that replicate our systems. And so, um, you know, the whole time the girls are running our systems, but it's disguised in, you know, it's just the drill that they're running, but that drill feeds into the bigger philosophy and the bigger concepts. And so when then we go to seven on seven, it's, we've done this before just with mm -hmm. half the team or a third of the, a third of the girls out there. And so that, that's been a huge, uh, help. Um, you know, installing, implementing systems, um, and then just making sure that we take it slow enough to focus on the little things first, and then the big things will, will fall into place. Um, you know, a big part of my philosophy and my you know, and, and lacrosse to me is understanding where it comes from and the native, the native culture and the, that it is a Native American game, and the you know the Native Americans play lacrosse to as a as a reward and as a medicine um medicine game and so it comes from the the native americans that the creator gave them this world and 
the creator gave them the land and everyone that, that lives here, all the animals and everything lives in harmony. And we play lacrosse as a tribute to the land and to, to, you know, play tribute and give medicine and give energy to us. And so we talk about that a lot with the, with the girls and having, you know, we talk about Spalding and sportsmanship and, and, uh, you know, Norwich and sportsmanship. And it's, it's a real honor to play the game and to, when you put it in perspective of, where the game came from and its its ties and you know it, the game was made to honor the earth and honor everything that lives on it whether it's plants um plants people animals uh everything and to bring it all into one and so it's it's a really it's an honor to play the game every time that we do get to play and it's a special special time to be able to compete um and we bring keep that in perspective where it's during the game, it's it's war against the other team, but the second the game is over, it's nothing but great game, respect for the people that you compete against and respect for your teammates and respect for the game. And that's, you know, once you kind of learn, I, I guess, the, the you know, the lore behind it or the history behind the game, it just gives you such a, such a greater appreciation. Uh, I mean, I just learned a lot in just hearing you, you say that, um, and that, uh, and, and again, the sportsmanship that's kind of built in with Norwich and the military background and and everything, and then also you know kind of this this very spiritual aspect to uh, to the game. You know, no slight to any of the other sports that we offer here, but there isn't really a backstory like that uh, to to the other sports that, that we offer here in in uh, NCAA Division three here in Norwich. Um, yeah, it's 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 it is truly it's so special, and where it's the medicine game, and it's you know, it's a healing game. And that's when, when things aren't going well in the native communities and the tribes that they, they play lacrosse to heal the tribe. And it's, you know, or if, uh, if a member of an elder is sick, they'll play a lacrosse game in their spirit and to, to heal them and give them medicine and through the energy that's created through the game. And so that we talk about the energy before games every day and using that as momentum and creating momentum and using, you know, turning our energy into positive momentum for us. And so there, whatever you're feeling, nerves, excitement, we have to figure out how to harness that into focused energy. And that all comes full circle back into, you know, the native roots of the game. Now, I, I know that, um, that obviously you played here and you, you coached under under Coach Anderson as well. Um, something that I've learned over the years is uh, the, way that, the way that the offense kind of runs is, you know, he says things, you know, get deep in your sets, and you know that's, you know, when when the players and you mentioned this term, you know, flow sport. When the players are really feeling it, the creativity can can kind of explode. It can kind of things can happen in the sport of lacrosse when you're in your offensive set that might not necessarily be, you know, you know, it, let's take the sport of basketball for instance. There's only so many places you can really shoot the ball from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in lacrosse, I mean, we're seeing more and more of these, you know, more creative goals. Callum Jones of the men's team was just on SportsCenter a few weeks ago for yeah. a one-handed through-the-leg shot, um, which that's that wasn't necessarily like a, a showboaty goal. That was just like the way that the scenario was. Right. The only way that he could get a shot off was by putting one hand through his legs and shooting it. Um, so, I, and, and you had mentioned that, you know, at practice, the 3v3s, the, the 4v3s and everything, that, that you're essentially always working on on your offensive set and maybe not um explicitly telling the players that's what that's what you're doing but is there kind of a sense of them you know are there moments where like they they kind of get it you kind of see the light bulb the light bulb turn on and how rewarding are are those moments both at practice and then also when it's implemented uh on a game day yeah that that 
it's the most rewarding when that happens. Um, but but definitely it's you know the concepts run no matter it's the same we try to make it the same concepts no matter how many players are out there mm-hmm. so whether it's a 2v1 or or a 6v6 or a 7v7 it's the same concepts and we you know st- stick to motion motion principles on offense and pressure principles on defense and so how can we pressure effectively defensively how can we keep the motion and the flow going and so um yeah that's you know the flow of the offense is we want to stay disciplined within the set but with being disciplined, there's the creativity every time there's a look. And so we look at it's multiple multiple look offense and emotion offense. And so every every time a player touches the ball, there's three, four reads that they can make. And, you know, it's like an audible, um, but we, I, I stay away. I'd ever call it a play. And so it's a set. It's different, mm-hmm. different, different philosophy. It, yeah, it's a play and there's scripted movement. But if this happens on the play, then it changes. And so that's why it's not a play because a play is like a very specific thing. And the set is, this is our shape. And now when this happens, this is how we react. And then off of that next look, then now there's three different looks that could happen or four different looks that could happen. But then there's also the creativity that the ball carrier has to be creative within that moment in the offense. And so that's when, when, when we truly understand the set, then now that's when the creativity really happens and players are able to flourish and you see things that you didn't expect to happen. And that's always like, as coaches, it's what we hope to see is like something that we never expected could happen. And that's when we know like we're doing it, we're doing it right. And giving the players the ability to, and the freedom to make those, make those plays. And with that comes the freedom to make the mistakes to make that play and like to play flat, to play fast. And we want to always play fast, you know, with the understanding that like we don't want to, lose our discipline and lose our execution because of how fast we're going but playing fast you're gonna there's gonna be mistakes and we got to be able to live with that and rebound from them and you know the faster we play the the more mistakes we're going to make but it's also going to benefit us just as much as as the mistakes that we make so it's being okay and giving the players the freedom to make those mistakes and know that they're not going to get pulled because of a mistake especially when it's an aggressive mistake and you know so that they have freedom and they're fearless when they when they're playing and that's a huge part of our philosophy and and neil's philosophy as well on the men's side uh and i want to kind of take you know a a step back here a little bit um because through coach anderson um he uh he started woodchuck lacrosse and and now we kind of get into this woodchuck lacrosse and vermont box lacrosse and box lacrosse is a sport that i'm i'm sure a lot of our listeners probably are not super familiar with so if you wouldn't mind at the beginning of this just kind of explaining what box lacrosse is explain it to me as if uh, as if i'm five let's say or maybe i'm maybe uh, i'm 10 that's i'm i'm 10 years old tell me tell me about box lacrosse. Well, five five is a good number too because it's played five on five so, <laughs> okay <laughs> but um so box lacrosse is uh it's a really cool version of lacrosse and it's again similar to like so there's three Three types of lacrosse. There's men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse, and box lacrosse. Um, and there's, well, there's, a, they've made another type of lacrosse too. For it's called sixes, which is like box lacrosse, but without the boards. But okay, box lacrosse is uh, five on five with a goalie, and it's played inside of a hockey rink. And so it originated in Canada and on native reservations. Um, and most native reservations nowadays, other than the medicine game, but they, so they play medicine games, which is the traditional, and they, you're only allowed to use wooden sticks in the medicine game. Um, but most natives play box lacrosse on the reservation inside of a hockey rink um, because it's it's more it's a more physical game. And so it originated in Canada when 
they have this excess of hockey rinks and mm-hmm. in the summer to create revenue, but also to keep them occupied when the ice is gone, they play lacrosse. And so Canadians, majority of Canadians, that's what they play. They play box lacrosse. And so where it's a four by four goal instead of a six by six goal. So it's a way smaller goal. Goalies wear essentially hockey goalie pads. Um, so they take up most of the goal and it's, I say, like I said, five on five and it's inside of hockey rink so the ball doesn't go out of bounds which is really cool and there's a shot clock as well it's a 30 second shot clock upon possession so it's an extremely fast game Um, and similar to the men's game um, three to four players sub off from offense to defense every time so it's extremely fast and so the substitution game is really fast Um, but the benefits of box lacrosse is that the ball doesn't go out of bounds so when you're looking at younger players and development um, compared from box lacrosse compared to field lacrosse is the ball doesn't go out. So if you miss a pass, it hits the boards, you turn around and you scoop it back up. Mm-hmm. If you miss a shot, it hits the boards, it comes back into rebound. And so the alertness, the ability to read rebounds, the ability to pick the ball up off of the ground. And um, the majority of box lacrosse is played on concrete inside of the hockey rink because turf is really expensive. So the, the double bounce on concrete, the ball's going a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Off the boards, the ball's going a lot faster. So developmentally, box lacrosse is, it's, you know, you get so many more touches just by playing. And then the aspect of the physicality of box lacrosse, where it's similar physicality as hockey. So you can move on your picks. You don't have to stay stationary. You can cross-check, um, meaning your hands can be apart on the shaft, and you can hit people. And it's all about picking and rolling and sealing like in basketball. So, so much of the game is picking and rolling off your pick and then jamming the ball into tight spaces and being able to catch it. And there's no long sticks. Um, so it's all short sticks. So, um, you know, you can skip the ball easier. You can, and, and not be afraid to jam it because then the ball's not going to go out of bounds. And so when you look at like young kids playing field lacrosse, um, you know, great, great turnover on defense and get the ball up field. And then you pass it to an attack that loses the ball and then the ball goes out of bounds and so then no one touches the ball on offense and so you can have guys standing there and girls standing there on attack that never touch the ball the entire game which is you know really frustrating but in box lacrosse the ball's always in play Mm -hmm. and so it's whoever is grittier to get there um but also like very rarely will a player never touch the ball in a box game and that's not the case in field lacrosse so um box lacrosse is growing in america um but looking at so using woodchuck and uh looking at when I was coaching at Spalding too, how to get more touches and create something unique, um, but really fun, uh, but unique and uh, different and a different opportunity for kids over the summer. And so this past summer we created the Vermont box lacrosse league. So we had a team out of Middlebury and then two teams out of Barry. Um, and, and we played a four game regular season and then had a round robin tournament. Um, we also had a middle school team as well. And then we had a, we called it little chucks lacrosse for a fourth, fifth, sixth grade league um, that played out of, out of the Barry rink. And so, uh, this summer we're looking at, we're hoping we're working on getting a team out of the Essex rink. And so having a team out of Middlebury, Barry and Essex to expand that way. But what we're looking at is similar to Canada where we play a regional schedule over the summer, um, and then come together for a, a state tournament at the end of the summer and giving kids the opportunity to play box across. And we've had great, uh, response and great, uh, you know, all the kids, all the high school kids that played last year are really excited. And they're like, I can't wait for the summer to play box again. Um, and it's just, you know, we, we, the hope is that it's like in Vermont being so close to the Canadian border, we can build this up over a few years and then create a, um, you know, travel team to 
to be able to compete against these Canadian teams and use our proximity to Canada to really create a box across culture in, in the summers in Vermont. And you, the box across is played at the North Barry outdoor rink, correct? In, in Barry. Yes. Yep. Very fond memories of, of skating there and kind of learning, learning how to play hockey on that outdoor rink. So, um, when I was younger, my friends and I would always, you know, we'd say, you know, this rink doesn't get used in the summer, you know? Um, and then, you know, seeing box lacrosse move in there is certainly as again, as a guy from Barry, you know, fills my heart with, with, with joy to see kids from the community getting to use that space, getting excited about using that space in a time where it would just kind of seemingly, uh, you know, grow, grow weeds in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's been it, the really cool part too, is, um, you know, our, we're looking for a, a, a turf rink over the summer too. Um, so that we could have all three playing surfaces, but we play in Middlebury, it's concrete and mm-hmm. then in Barry, it's grass. And so the opportunity to play on two different playing surfaces, but playing the same sport of box lacrosse, um, is, is really cool. And so, uh, Essex right now still has concrete. Um, but where, you know, it, the hope is that we expand and there's teams from different regions all over the state and that it keeps on growing. Um, but more importantly, just to get, get kids to continue loving lacrosse and keeping a fun atmosphere and a encouraging atmosphere and you know, encouraging creativity. And that's where, you know, a lot of, um, systems in box lacrosse, they don't change really from team to team. It's all pretty much the same system, but that's where you see so much creativity and so much more creativity than in the field game, because kids are free to make mistakes because they know if like they, if the pass is a little off, it's still staying in bounds. It's not like it's going to be a turnover and go to the other team necessarily. So, and, and it's also a tight space. So you have to be really creative, really shifty, really fast. And so once, once they start understanding the system, then the creativity comes and, and then we see it when they return to the field game, um, their production just explodes because they're used to shooting on a smaller goal, used to playing in such a tight space. And then now you go to the field game and it's, you have 10 times as much space. And it's like, and we talk about Callum's Callum's sports center goal, mm-hmm. but also Callum's production, um, being a hockey player, but also, but also a box lacrosse player from Canada. And so when he comes to the field game, it's, you, you see him and he's able to, uh, use all the space on the field and it's, he's able to get his hands free and shoot with, you know, minimal space from a defender. And same with Jack Anzalone, who played box lacrosse this summer up in Buffalo in the, in the college, in the national college league. Um, and so you see his, his, uh, change in his game um and confidence coming into this season as well so it's box lacrosse is a real it's it's to me it's more fun than all other forms of lacrosse just Mm -hmm. because it's it's so much faster and so much more physical but it's also so there's so much more finesse and skill that is involved with it Uh, makes it a lot of fun Uh, you know it's a similar thing when i was growing up you know playing you play youth soccer in the fall and then the winter time over in montpelier cvmcc they would lay down turf and there'd be an indoor soccer league and we would all live for indoor soccer you know it was you could bounce it off the wall Uh, again less people on the field more kind of creativity honing your skills um i i played fullback outdoors but in indoor i would play striker yeah so get out there and try to score some goals you know it's just and, and again, it just builds a love of the game and uh, it almost you, you start doing things that kind of become second nature. The more that you play and the more that you learn and the more excited you get. Um, so really cool to, you know, take what you what you do in, in the close quarters and in the indoor game and and then immediately drop it onto the onto the field game and the the different size in nets is something that's very interesting to me too is that the, that the net's smaller but the goalie's seemingly bigger yeah with all the huge pads and i'm sure people have seen you know clips online of of these goalies that mean that there's not a whole lot of net to shoot at so you got to be 
quick with your shots and also deceptive with your shots, right? Because yeah. there's not a whole you're not looking at a whole lot of net when you're looking straight on. Right. Yeah. And so it's all about moving the goalie um, from pipe to pipe, but moving the ball quicker than the goalie can move. So, you know, yeah, the goalie's way bigger, but with that comes limited mobility because of all the pads. Mm-hmm. And so how fast can you make that skip pass to a shot? And how fast also, as soon as you catch it, can you get rid of it and shoot? And so can you do it quicker than the defense rotates, but quicker than the goalie rotates um, across the crease? And so, and that's, you know, a huge part of it. And then after playing, you know, a season of box lacrosse or playing consistent box lacrosse, going to the field game, seeing how big the goal is and how little the goalie is, you know, it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're seeing it across all levels of lacrosse and all, you know, versions of lacrosse. It's an offensive game. And again, going back to the flow, it's the only like, basketball you have to dribble, football you have to dribble at your foot. Uh, hockey, it's barely any control on the puck. Mm-hmm. And lacrosse, it's in your stick. And men's, men's is a lot deeper in your pocket, but women's as well. Like It's in your stick. And so it's, it's so much harder to play defense when the ball is actually in the possession and of the, the ball carrier and you're able to dodge. And so we're seeing now at all the levels how high scoring lacrosse is and how easy it is to score you know to an extent but it is it's it's a lot of times kids don't understand how you know they're in a scoring position they don't let it they don't pull the trigger they Mm -hmm. don't shoot it and so um you know after playing box lacrosse and shooting on such a big goalie then you go back to field and you're like okay yeah i have confidence to to shoot from there to Mm -hmm. shoot from seven like seven yards out is a high percentage shot and so a lot of kids don't feel that that is but you you they should have the confidence to shoot from there and this is just another, you know, just another observation of me, uh, you know, very, very rudimentary lacrosse skill set. I played a little youth lacrosse when I was younger, but uh, the conditioning was not, uh, I, I was not cut out for the conditioning, <laughs> shall we say. Um, lacrosse has has the, the bounce shot that you can mix in also. Mm. And there aren't really, I'm trying to just think in my head of, of other sports out there, there aren't really comparable things to a bounce shot in some of the other major American sports. Um, in terms of the, the women's game, is it, is it technically illegal to do a bounce shot or it's just, it's not something that you see as, as, as often. I know in the men's game, you see it with, with relatively high. Yeah. So it's, it's not illegal at all in the women's game. Um, what you do see is that the, where the shots come from in the games is very different Mm -hmm. based on the rules. So in the men's game, you see a lot of stretch shooting, which is like from, 10 to 15 yards and you know at the higher levels of college and pro from 15 to 20 to 25 yards sometimes <laughs> um but you know in the pro levels they can shoot 25 yards away and still score um but so when you're shooting from outside a bounce shot's really effective inside um it's tough and so with the girls game most almost all goals come from inside the eight meter the the game is changing especially at the higher levels um where we're seeing this season alone i've probably seen five or six highlights just I could think of off the top of my head from goals from outside the eight, which is really cool um, to see, you know, I know Syracuse and USC and Arizona state have had a few where they're shooting from outside the eight meter and uh, you know, scoring from outside the eight meter, which is like unheard of in, in women's lacrosse, but the majority of women's lacrosse goals come from inside. And so it come from within like four or five yards out of the crease. And so bouncing it in that tight doesn't really give you that much of an advantage um, because you're already so close to the goalie um, and you run the risk of like just hitting the goalie on a bounce shot, but shooting from outside uh, bounce shots help a lot. The other thing is on now it's on turf. Um, most games are played on turf. Mm-hmm. And so bounce shots were extremely effective on grass because you no know, grass is consistent and it's very lumpy in most of the places. Yeah. Um, but also the benefit of bounce shots on turf is 
you it's consistent you know exactly you can really hone in your bounce and know um you know we say aim for the top like aim for the crease so when you hit it on the crease and the goalie goes down seeing this, that it's a low shot the the timing of it it bounces right over their shoulder and so you can get consistent um and know where you're going to hit on the top of the goal um based off of the time you put in outside and also we, we see at the pro level and college level um you know off turf you can curve the ball and you can put spin on it um and so it looks like it's going wide but then it jets back at the last second um, when it bounces and goes in and so you know it's really deceptive um shot especially with their spin on it but a bounce shot it's hard to read because the goalie yeah they, they might know it's bouncing in front but they have to be able to judge it and um you know the different spins on the ball you can put it and if it's wet it will skid um so it's it's really hard shot to read yeah um let's kind of take a step away from from lacrosse in general here uh, i know that you had mentioned that um that you uh you came to school here you, you loved your time in the summer you, fi- you figured that you wanted to stay in vermont for a while um now you ski or are you are you a snowboarder which i grew up snowboarding and i switched to skiing mm-hmm. so now i'm mainly a skier so um yeah like i guess give us you know uh, some some of your hobbies and i would in, include skiing i didn't mean to, to spoil my own question by asking i just know that some people you know if you ask a snowboarder if they ski they might get mad at you or vice versa there's some weird uh i don't know some weird rivalry between the the, <laughs> the two which i've never really understood but um but yeah like what do you you know what do you do in in uh, in your spare time when you're not when you're not laxing it up yeah um yeah ski hike mountain bike my wife and i love skiing together and, and mountain biking together and hiking together um and that's one of the main reasons why you know i love vermont is the outdoor activities that we have um i actually did get into mountain biking here i biked all the time as a kid growing up um, my dad's a big biker as well and but then having Payne mountain and the shaw center um, was my first real exposure to like actual mountain biking with a nice bike and so that i fell in love with biking um and mountain biking and like in here in vermont we have so many trail networks just from you know berry and waterbury alone there's probably 30 plus within an hour of trail networks for mountain biking um and like you know some really really nice trails and but here at norwich Payne's one of my favorite places to bike in the state and i've been a lot of different places biking um and then skiing in the winter i grew up snowboarding i think i did it right snowboarding when i was young and now skiing because mm-hmm. i fall way less skiing <laughs> um, so when i was young i was able to just bounce back but um I lived at, at Bolton Valley on the mountain for a year. And so I told myself I was going to try skiing at least once that year. Um, and I did. And then the second time I was like, oh, wow, this is, I, I kind of figured it out. And then the third time I was like, well, this is really fun. And so I haven't really looked back. I've been snowboarding a few times since then, but mainly, you know, I, I still have that, that, that new itch that I'm scratching with, with skiing and I learn something new every time. Um, and I try to just get out as much as possible. It's a lot of fun, um, skiing. So yeah, I, my, you know, my hobbies are outside and, and then uh, in the summer, it's mountain biking outside and then, you know, and coaching with the lacrosse and, um, you know, having a lot of fun with coaching woodchuck and, and box lacrosse. And, you know, it's been able to get me to, you know, meet so many different people and so many different types of people and build strong connections throughout a bunch of different communities. And it's all, you know, it usually it ties back to the lacrosse community. And that's been, you know, something that's been a strong, you know, building strong relationships through the lacrosse community, like everywhere I go in life. And it's been a great support for me. You mentioned that um, your some of your favorite trails in the state are here at Payne Mountain. Do you have a favorite? Uh, do you have a favorite mountain that you like to ski at? Yeah, favorite mountain <laughs> is uh, Jay Peak, definitely Jay. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, the one we go to the most is Sugarbush. Mm-hmm. So we have passes to Sugarbush, but uh, Jay is definitely my favorite mountain 
here in Vermont. Um, probably on the East Coast. Uh, yeah, is Jay as well. So was yeah. just up there a few weekends ago. Uh, they're coming down to the end of the ski season, but still mm-hmm. a lot of snow up there, way yeah. uh, way up in in Jay and on on top of that mountain. Yeah, the 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 woods at, at Jay Peak are you know they're they're so unique. And the trees are perfectly, you know, there's just so many trails in the woods at Jay that it just makes it so much fun. And there's always so much snow there. Uh, they get stuck in their own snow globe. And um, it's just such a, it's it's really cool because it has such a European feel to it. Um, and with the tram and it, it's just beautiful there as well. So the terrain is, is incredible. So you prefer like the woods yes. to, to like a groomed trail, shall yeah. we say? And that's part of the reason, that, that was one of the main switches from snowboarding to skiing was mm-hmm. I was uh, snowboarding in the woods and I was like, you know, it, it was fun, but it wasn't great. And then when I switched to skiing, I was like, you know, the big difference, my shoulders were facing downhill. So it was like, I'm like, oh, it's just, just like mountain biking. And then once it finally clicked in the woods, then I, that's why I haven't turned back from, from skiing and, you know, then, and then skinning up mountains and, and so being able to hike up and then ski down too is a, you know, it's a really fun aspect of skiing. I know you can split board, but, um, you know, we have skins for, for, ski, for my skis. And so it's, it's fun to get some extra turns in after the, the mountain shut down. Do you ever go up pain here yep yeah this year i didn't get out this year up pain because uh you know th- we only had two three big snowstorms. Mm-hmm. um so this the timing didn't work out this year but i have gone up pain and uh it's really fun to uh you know take some of the mountain bike trails um down on skis but also the uh where the old lift line was is a really fun fun uh run to do yeah we can kind of see it as we're recording in the conference room overlooking sabine field yeah. we've got pain mountain in the distance and up there at the top you can kind of Get some snow from yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Talk, tell me. Tell me about it. Uh. <laughs> Woke up and it was white. All <laughs> <everywhere>. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize we were supposed to like get snow and it, it snowed Saturday night too. Yeah. I was driving back from Burlington and got caught in some snow in between exit six and five. Yeah. Uh, but nothing to the magnitude of of this of what we're what we're looking at here. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique time in Vermont where you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, it started as rain and then it said snow possibly expected and then woke up with three inches, four inches of snow yeah, on the It was ground. like 61 degrees yeah. during the day and then, <laughs> well, anyway, that's just that's just Vermont. Yep. Um, uh, hopefully no snow when you guys get on the bus today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully it's a nice smooth <laughs> yeah. ride and uh, we'll see what the weather ends up like tonight, you know, in Western Mass, but... Yeah, it should be a fun night. Um, so, you know, un- unfortunately, if you want to come out and see the, the women's team, all of the home games are done. It was kind of a front-loaded home home schedule this year. Um, but uh, as of right now, you know, obviously hopeful for a home playoff game yeah. in the GNAC playoffs, uh, which are scheduled to happen on commencement Saturday here at Norwich. So a little bit of nuance there. Um, right now, right now, your team's sitting at seven and three in the conference, and and if you are able to host a home quarterfinal game, it would either be the Friday before commencement, the 29th, or mm-hmm. the or the Sunday following. But um, yeah, a couple a couple more contests up for the cadets. The the aforementioned matchup today on the road at Elms, uh, and then after this episode comes out, which it'll it'll air on April 22nd, some road contests at Emmanuel and at Dean. To close out, uh, close out your first season yeah. as a head coach. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems to have to have flown by, right? It, yeah, it, go, it always goes fast, especially like, yeah, it's crazy. We started uh, the last week of January, and um, and it, it goes so fast. And we the you know the first five weeks of the season, we we weren't able to get a scrimmage this year. Just didn't work out scheduling wise. Um, so you know we didn't play anyone until that first game five weeks in. Um, but 
the, the, so that that those five weeks, you know, they they took some time to you know get accustomed and get the girls accustomed to uh, you know the full six day a week schedule. But then once those games start, it's two games a week, th- almost th- sometimes three games a week, like this week. Um, and it, you blink and it's and it's done. So it goes by really fast just because it's long days and short weeks. And so we got three games left. And uh, you know if we're fortunate enough to to win these three games, then we host a playoff game for the first time in a, in a long time, hosting, yeah. a, hosting a quarterfinal game. Um, so, you know, that's our, that's our goal, but it's taking it one, one game at a time. We're not overlooking anybody. Uh, tonight, uh, Elms has got some, some great players and they've had some success this year as well. So it's going to be, a, it's going to be a good game tonight and it should be a fun game. Um, if we play our game, it should, should go, should go well, but we got to stay disciplined and, and play fast and focused. Uh, but, and before I let you go here, I just want to make mention here cause somehow I totally missed this. Your team seven and zero at home in the regular season, so a a perfect home record during the regular season. I would be hard pressed to be able to tell you the last time that that has happened as well. Yeah, um, the the girls they yeah they 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 get really excited and and really up for for home games, and we've been able to execute at home. Um, it's definitely a comfortability playing at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we practice on the turf, uh, and it's it's a it's a really cool field to play on too. We have a great stadium here, um, and you know. It seems like there's less nerves playing at home, um, and then, but we've been able to to figure out and dial in on the road as well, and and get some key victories on the road. And so now finishing out the season with three games on the road, it's a it's just another opportunity for us to figure out and and form our road identity um, even even better going into the playoffs. Because as we know, we might have a home game in that first round, but as long as we win the first round, then we're you know we're going to be on the road for second third um if we keep on winning so it's it's figuring out you know great teams are able to win home and away and that's you know been one of our challenges is winning away um and our strength of schedule away has been pretty tough too so um it's definitely it's great to end it it's it would be great to end at home in the season but it's great to have the opportunities to figure out and dial in on the road as well well, we certainly wish you good luck the rest of the way. Again, stay tuned to NorwichAthletics.com for all of the scores and the updates and the schedule updates for when it comes playoff time. Find out who the cadets will be facing in the first round of the GNAC playoffs. Coach, thank you so much on a game day. Thank taking you. some time, putting it aside of course. To, to sit down and talk. Uh, I had a blast. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Tanner. Cool. I appreciate thank, it. Thank you very much. And again, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Again, we thank IT for taking the the hour or so to talk to us on a very busy game day. And we thank you for listening to Reveille and for supporting the podcast. Again, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, the way to find us. And until next time, we will leave you with the sounds of the Norwich University Regimental Band. Mm